This week on Dig Me Out. With your hosts, Jason Zia and Tim Minichi. Jay, we're back again with another episode. Thanks to our DMO union on Patreon. You can help us make the next episode happen by joining us at dmounion.com or digmeoutunion.com. Dot com, Jay. It's the rage these days. Kids are really into it. Them and the stonks. Into the dot coms? Mm-hmm. Dot orgs. Dot nets. The short selling. Dot CA. The short selling, the long selling. Yep. We're gonna we're gonna put uh we're gonna do an IPO on Dig Me Out soon <laughs> and uh and see what we can uh see what kind of revenue we can generate. Yeah, on our Discord we're trying to disrupt the uh the markets. <laughs> we're just we're disrupting the dis- discogs markets by uh buy a bunch of vinyl nobody else wants right exactly i go right to the i just i just say it says what uh range do you want i go zero to one there's a a search filter shit nobody else wants yes (laughs) zero to one less than very good i want i want okay probably not playable those are my options for for the vinyl that i'm looking to buy i just want to use it i just want to say that i i have it i don't actually want to play it I'll listen to it on Spotify. Also, you can listen to all the albums, Jay, that we had in this poll on Spotify because every time... Are you sure about that? Well, maybe not. I don't think you can listen to that uh, number one cup record. Okay. So there were, out of all the records that we had in our poll this this month, or nine of them for January, eight of them were on Spotify. That's not bad. Those are good odds. It's cold. Cold water flat might not be in there. I'm not sure. Why you gotta keep bringing that? Okay, seven <laughs> out of nine. That's why I have to use YouTube as our uh, preview link, so you can where, people where can somebody sample the records a, because I, I know it's the only place for sure I can get every record. Right. Uh, quality set aside quality, but at least you'll be able to hear it. So for our first poll of 2021 we had nine records suggested to us via digmeoutpodcast.com where people always go to suggest records to us we got dozens and dozens we're going to get through in our polls this month we had nine of them these were the nine that were suggested darren lehman suggested the self-titled album by clutch roy nerland suggested dusk by the the matthew tollick suggested the self-titled album by Drive Like Jehu. Kurt Emerton suggested the Beaster EP by Sugar. Jim Otto suggested Dandy's Rule Okay by the Dandy's Warhol by the Dandy Warhols. Gary Moran suggested the self-titled album by Cold Water Flat. That's three self-titled albums, if you're counting. Jason Kapanist. I'm sorry if I mispronounced that, Jason. He suggested number one cups. Wrecked by Lions, Paul Hill, Body Exit Mind by the New Fast Automatic Daffodils, and Eduardo Alves Mosquera suggested Superstar Car Wash by the Goo Goo Dolls. Now, there's a couple there, Jay, that we have done even, I mean, quite recently. We've done uh, Danny Warhols, Goo Goo Dolls, Sugar, and we just did Drive Like Jehu. So of that, so they went left us five that we have never talked about. Yep. Um, Clutch, The The, Cold Water Flat, Number One Cup, and New Fast Automatic Daffodils. Now, I'll say that New Fast Automatic Daffodils and Number One Cup were two bands that I knew the name because they were on like the I Hate the 90s blog and I downloaded MP3s 10 years ago, but I've never actually listened to them. But yep. I know who Cold Water Flat um the the and clutch are cold water flat being uh scott janovitz's band which is the brother of bill janovitz from buffalo tom 
Mm. And uh, the the I, I mean that's that band was yeah. around for a long time, and Clutch have, are still active, been around for thirty years at this point. So were any of these uh, a, a surprise in terms of I've never seen that name before? Yeah, I had never seen Number One Cup. I mean, even the album cover, it's pretty rando looking. Yeah. Um, and New Fast Automatic Daffodils, that sounds like one of the fake bands in the 90s that should have been on that round table a couple months ago. <laughs> um, I, I have no idea what they sound like, but just based on the name, that's a, that's a mouthful. Um, I was kind of surprised that we got two Drive by J records that quickly and by different people. The only two. Yeah. In basically uh, back-to-back polls, I think. Yeah. So maybe next time. We had a we had a good number of votes, and actually this came down really close. Uh, tied for second place were Sugar's Beaster and Goo Goo Dolls Superstar Car Wash. There wasn't uh, then Daddy Warhol's uh, was just behind it, and then everybody else was sort of in the in the the back end. Yeah. But the winner was Clutch, taking it at the end. I didn't know where this was going to end up. Clutch was Clutch. They were they were clutch. They pulled it out in the end. So, have you listened to Clutch? I have. Yeah, this is um, this is because I'm into, um, you know, some of the heavier stuff from the '90s and even obviously past then. They've come up quite a bit, you know. So they're sort of one jump away from Fu Manchu or Corrosion of Conformity or right. You know, a lot of different, you know, fuzzy stoner, you know, splat in the vein of Black Sabbath um, bands that have come from the early 90s through now. So right. they're always recommended either by someone else or, you know, music service of your choice, um, one step away from most of those bands. So, yeah, I, throughout the years, I've sampled things here and there uh, based on recommendations or you know, something will pop up in a, in a playlist or something and I'll give it a listen. I had not really listened to the band. I think I had sampled them years ago. Um, I know a mutual friend of ours, Sean Sefchak, mm-hmm. is a fan of the band. I believe he's gone to see them live when they were in Columbus. And I remember being like, who is this band? Yeah. I think, I think uh, they played here like at the Newport a couple times. And, um, I remember checking them out and it not really sticking with me. So this is the first time I've really paid attention to a record, but like you, I'm into that, I guess, stoner desert rock sound of, of Fu Manchu and, and Queens and, and Brant Bjork and, you know, that, that kind of sound. So, but they're not uh, from we'll, the desert yeah, and they're not from the desert. <laughs> they're from, from the, Baltimore from the opposite <laughs> side of the country. They're more like monster magnet in that sense, in terms of their, uh, yeah, them being a Jersey band and, and uh, Jersey and Baltimore. Not that I think that's just a train ride away. Yeah. If I know my, uh, if I know my, um, geography. So we did get some comments on this episode, Jeremy amend, he w- he wanted us to go with new fast automatic daffodils or sugar, but thought the dandies or goos might win. Um, Darren Lehman said, "Okay, real rock fans, let's give Clutch their due." Kyle Bittner said, "They are great live loads, loads of grooves and energy to spare. Last album was spectacular." Willie Dillon said, "Going to have to skip Drive Like Jay, who just did their album." Um, Danny Rawls already had an album. He voted for number one cup. So it's getting a little spread out here. Carl F voted for clutch because I vaguely remember them. John Seaman going with clutch and the Goo Goo Dolls because I can't pick between the two. Wouldn't mind sugar winning. Johnny Hooper said, I'm the contrarian going with the, the going with the, the Eric Peterson clutch of the Goo Goo Dolls stoner rocker, all power pop. Um, he said both. And um, David Gorgos threw some threw some heat on this one. He said he had he had negative things to say about literally every band. He must not have been having a good. He, he doesn't yeah. always 
I like to use the term heat as having a strong opinion and then that could be turned cynical and negative. Well, hot takes. Yes. Um, he said he'd vote for Beaster. And he thinks it was better than Copper Blue. But not by much. Um, <laughs> and Patrick Testa said if, if Sugar wins the poll, nobody will be able to get a, the album rating. That's true. But if you have been paying attention to our box newsletter, we do review EPs on there and we do do worthy EPs. Um, Garen Leach said, haven't heard of Clutch, but I listened to them, went to Spotify and tried them out. Sorry, fans. I don't get it. To which Patrick Testa said, don't like to boogie. Um, he said he's not voting for Clutch. Um, and uh, he wanted um, sugar. I think he said he wanted sugar. Um, Gavin said, while I'm desperate for a clutch review here, I far prefer their debut Transnational Speedway League, which is a vastly more interesting album. Um, he went with Sugar's Beaster, though. Aaron said, this is tricky. I'm a big fan of Clutch and The The, but the two listed albums here aren't my favorites. Uh, he went with Sugar. So we know where the, the votes were getting split. Kyle Bittner said, gotta go with Beaster. Uh, Steve Uzinski said clutch and um, he had some comments about the hi-hats in uh, space grass unbelievably effective he said <laughs> so we'll get into that so clutch as Jay you mentioned there from uh, just outside of Baltimore Silver Spring or not um, outside of Baltimore uh, Germantown yeah that's outside of Baltimore um, they were originally, uh, formed in 1991, Dan Maines on bass, Jean-Paul Gaster on drums, Tim Salt on guitar, and Roger Smalls on vocal, but then Smalls left the band and Neil Fallon was added. He was a high school, uh, friend of theirs at Seneca Valley and, uh, put out a 12 inch and then put out their debut album, Transnational Speedway League in 1993. And the album that we are reviewing, the self-titled record, came out in May of 1995 on East West Records. Um, all in all, the band has put out uh, a lot of records, actually. They just put out The Book of Bad Decisions in 2018. That's their 12th record. And then they've also done a bunch of, like, compilations and... Um, there's like half a dozen live records, lots of like collections of, uh, B sides and, 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 uh, seven inches and 12 inches and all that kind of stuff. So they have quite a pretty big discography. And what's interesting is that, uh, they actually kind of got caught up in radio for a brief period of time. Thanks to a local DJ, um, in uh so they were like you know a, a touring you know underground band in the 2000s and then um a dj in like north carolina started playing one of their songs from oh pure rock fury in 2001 um wxqr in north carolina he said uh you got to change the single he actually said that to the label. He said, we're going to play careful with the mic, with that mic. And they got a hit single out of it. There you go. So, and then they ended up making a record with, um, that's not a bad strategy. Yeah. Let the, <laughs> let the radio programmers decide. Uh, which of these will you, are you most likely to play? Okay. That'll be the single. <laughs> Thank you. Exactly. <laughs> So that ended up going to um, number 24 on the rock charts. And then their follow-up record to that, uh, Blast Tyrant, that scored a number, scored a top 40 hit also. The Mob Goes Wild made it to number 38. And then they put out Robot Hives and X, Robot Hives slash Exodus. And then from Beale Street to Oblivion had a top 40 single, Electric Worry, and made it to number 38. 
So they've been able to get on like the modern rock charts. I don't feel like I've ever heard them on like the local hard rock station that plays like, you know, new stuff from five finger death punch and those bands, but they're clearly getting played on certain, or they were at least in the early two thousands on some radio stations. So, yep. So let's get into this record, Jay. Tell me one thing you liked about the self-titled sophomore album by Clutch. say that as i maybe did something similar as i listen to this record i really especially when i did my notes run like my, my deep listen where i really you know jotted everything i thought down i really tried to understand what the appeal of this band is i think with you like i've heard them in the past but nothing's really stuck in a way where it's like ah, oh, i get it it's been like mm-hmm. mm, okay um, so I really tried to push and try to figure out like, okay, what is it about this band that seems to resonate so strongly with a core of fans that's, you know, enabled them to have a career for, like you said, 30 years. So a couple of things that I think I heard on this record that were, that I liked and I thought were unique and maybe what people respond to is there's like an inherent cool to them. And I mean, like, it doesn't sound like they're at least musically trying too hard. Like they sound skilled, they sound confident, but they don't sound like they're trying to force it or like be too extreme. And especially for the nineties and even into now, I mean, they're, they're playing heavy music. You know, some people, I guess would say this is metal. I would classify it as metal. Some people might not, but I mean, it's heavy rock. Um, but they're not using, they're not using a lot of distortion and a lot of fuzz. Um, they're not using a lot of the gimmicks sonically that I think even some of the bands that you and I are a little bit more familiar with would use, you know, they don't do like, you know, kick the fuzz pedal in for the chorus or or like heavy distortion or compression. It is a very like open sounding record. The guitars have gain on them, but they sound like it's more of an amp gain. Um, So it's interesting that they can create a heavy sound more kind of how Black Sabbath did where it's more around like how they played together and the tempo and yes, there's some distortion in there or fuzz in there, but it's not overly done. In fact, in comparatively, it's way underdriven compared to probably like even something like Fu Manchu, which is super fuzzed out. So I really found it interesting, like getting to this record. Once I picked up on that, I'm like, oh wow, those guitars are like not overly dis- you know distorted. They're not playing a lot of power chords. They they seem like they play a lot of like kind of single note groovy riffs things mm-hmm. too so you don't have like a lot of strings being played so there's not a lot of guitar notes um they don't do like blistering solos you know the solos tend to be you know more like noisy some little noodling here and there but it's not like you know in metal or heavy music where you're gonna have like this face melting guitar solo so there's like this, I think I interpret a lot of that musically is like just this sense of confidence and cool about them of mm-hmm. um, not trying too hard. 
but it, but the end result being pretty heavy sounding, you know, and that's, that's hard to do, but I think like there's something natural about responding to that. There's also like a blue collar aspect to this band. I might be biased just by like some of the other songs I've heard by them, but like maybe it's the Baltimore or the Maryland thing as opposed to being from California. Um, but there's also just sonically how they sound and also maybe even lyrically there's a almost Midwestern or East Coast, you know, middle class, you know, kind of sound and feel to it just inherently, um, which is something else I picked up on um, and kind of can appreciate when that can be conveyed um, pretty clearly. Uh, and I think the last thing would just be his vocals are interesting in that he does a, a lot of like gutter roll. It's not a scream. I'm trying to just think of the way to describe it. It's like, um, almost like a belch, <laughs> a bellow. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's got all of this grit to it. And he double tracks it a lot too, I think. And, but it's got a lot of range. So a lot of other bands, I think we, we've, that do screaming or really aggressive vocals, it gets really loud and it gets a, there's a high, a lot of high in the tone. And that becomes immediately, I think for most people, right? Like grating. Mm-hmm. But he delivers it in like, with a lot of bass and mid range. And I think with the way that they double it, that that style of vocal, it's more of a a melodic bark, I guess, and aggressive, Mm -hmm. but not overly um, polarizing or annoying, or, you know, it it doesn't maybe tire you out the same way that, you know, a screaming vocal would, but you still get the same sense of, um, aggression and masculinity i think in it which is another part of the band that that probably connects i think the second point under the vocal is that he also i hear more on this record than maybe i had realized or heard in other other times i'd listen to the band a lot of what he's doing is very it to me to my ear it sounds like close to rap um and the way he delivers things but in the way that like Red Hot Chili Peppers would, that kind of phrasing. Um, so there's just like a unique, but it's not rap. It's like a very rhythmic based um, way of delivering lyrics. Sometimes it can be almost spoken. Sometimes it can be sung. Um, that again, particularly for this time and for this heavy of music was... I could see being, you know, fairly unique and something fun to yell along to probably at a live show as well. You know, I think a lot, a lot of the stuff I could see like, Oh yeah, this would be a part where like, you know, it'd be fun to remember the lines and then people would yell along to it together. Right. So there, I could see that being like a really cool live moment. So those are some of the things that I picked up that, you know, I appreciated and understood. And I'm guessing, uh, you know, maybe, what some others that like this band um, key off on. Mm-hmm. How about you? Dodge Swinger 1973 Top Down Chassis Low Panel Dim Light Drive Jesus on the Dashboard T minus whenever it feels right Galaxy 500 Planets align A king is born
Well, you know, we mentioned the tops are joking around about spending a lot of time on, on Discogs. And one of the things I've been doing is trying to find, uh, I really like Cactus, that 70s boogie rock, blues rock band, with that single Evil. And I've been trying to find more bands that sound like that. Me too. So I, I end up... <laughs> down some like weird rabbit holes yeah. on, on Discogs. So I found like this, like there was this band I posted on our, our Discord page, Widowmaker, which has that like blues boogie rock yeah. sound. I found this other one called The Illusion, which, you know, definitely sounds like a 70s yeah. <laughs> boogie rock, blues rock band. And um, it's weird because when you go to, when you go to um, Wikipedia, it describes them as being stoner rock. Okay. Alternative metal. Sure. Hardcore punk. No, I don't hear hardcore punk really, yeah. and funk metal. And I, th- I feel like they get, I feel like funk metal is applied too liberally. This is way more blues based than <laughs> funk based. Like, I love how you said that. <laughs> let Doctor Funk explain it to you. Let me, let me lay it down. The term funk metal truth. is applied way too liberally because this way one what works for me best. And you mentioned it is like them not laying on the distortion and laying on the fuzz. It's when you get that like early Brant Bjork, you know, Yalamanta, just those slow, steady grooves. You get the locked bass and guitar um, with the kick and everything is just like locked into this groove and you just don't want it to stop. And it sounds really tight and you mentioned about cool i mean they just they find the cool in those notes and in those riffs and um to me that it's it's they can say or or people can say that they're drawing from you know uh a different palette but it sounds so much like 70s reinterpreting 70s blues rock and 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 those sounds that I mean, this is the same time that, you know, Caius and, and Fu Manchu is just getting off the ground. And a lot of this stuff like um, Space Grass, that, that song and, and some of the other ones um, that got mentioned. I mean, they have a especially on the slower stuff. It reminds me more so of like early Fu Manchu when Fu Manchu would have like, you know, a three or four minute long, heavy, blazing rocker. And then they would get in some weird like space rock stuff. Yeah. And Caius would do the same thing where you're like, oh, they clearly smoked a huge bowl before they recorded this song <laughs> right, because there's right, like right. weird wah <laughs> stuff going on. And there's like, you know, it's all trippy sounding. And like, that's where your psychedelic 70. That's where like the, the blues rock sort of sort of crosses into that psychedelic sound yeah. in the 70s. And that works so well when you get those little weird, crazy moments of um, of just, you know, the guitar players getting a little loose and and unlocking from the bass to do some to do some interesting stuff. And you mentioned like this isn't a showy record for the guitar players. I mean, there's plenty going on, but it's really just about finding the the really slick, cool riffs that all locked together and um and keeping them tight and not going overboard with distortion like if this had if this was overly distorted it would it would sound like a mess and it would sound too heavy it would sound like you know some some bands try to pull that off and it it comes across as sounding like cheap black sabbath um and the ability to dial, dial it down really gives it more of an edge and, and a more interesting sound. So, um, yeah, musically, them. this was like just right down my alley when I was able to, you know, sit with it and, and listen to, um, the band play, uh, well, not so it, relying it perfectly on with the, what I was listening to right now, not relying on the fuzz and the distortion. I think to Steven's point about the hi hats and, um, was it space grass? Yep. It it forces you dynamically to you know to do more, to think harder, to work harder. Um you can't just rely on clicking that pedal and yep. that fuzz taking over and delivering the dynamic. It comes down to like how hard you're playing everything. So yeah, the in a song like Space Crash, which has a lot of build and tension to it, if you're not gonna use distortion, I mean, even when that song gets heavy. 
they're not up. Like, I think all they do is like the drummer plays more cymbals. Yeah. Really. When like when I broke it down, I was like, wait, 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 wait. this got bigger. What happened? Because they're not. They didn't bring in a second guitar. Didn't click in the overdrive. Like, how did? What is going on here? And it'd be like maybe the vocal would get more a little bit more intense, and like this, the drummer would open up and play crash cymbals. You know, so um, all those little when you're that constrained, I think I, I'm assuming it was somewhat a conscious decision to not get you know, go overboard with the with the fuzz uh, it puts the rest of the band sort of uh it gives them an opportunity like how can we make this song dynamic and interesting without using that does not work for you on this record um well a couple things i don't always love the way he sings maybe it's the particular style he falls into sometimes where he does like he says yeah a lot and steven even said that almost as a joke in the patreon comments like he just (laughs) does a lot of filler of yeah yeah i'm like that sounds a lot like rob zombie Maybe Rob Zombie. Her, I'm like, which came first? Like, did they come first or the Rob Zombie? Oh no, the White Zombie was around in the late '80s. But like, you know, he's he's made a whole career out of like, oh yeah, double, triple tracking himself, screaming yeah. There's a lot of that on this, mm-hmm. like just yelling yeah. Um, and that's also bundled with a lot of like, what I consider nursery rhyme, either directly or indirectly rhyming. Like a lot of fee fi fo fum, yeah, but yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know that. There's a lot of that going on, which I, I don't get. I don't. I don't. That just sounds like silly to me. Yeah, there's a lot of it. it it's almost like a style. Like, oh, this is gonna be a yabba dabba do song. <laughs> yeah. Um. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> let me start again so you can cut that out. So not a huge fan of all of the things he does vocally. And he has a big focus of this record. Um, It's kind of surprising to me that the band wasn't built around him because I think I hear a very conscious effort to make space for him to be sort of the power of the band. So you got to deliver on every track then to me, like Mm -hmm. vocally and with amazing lyrics. And sometimes I think the lyrics are really cool and interesting. Um, and other times they're just goofy and stupid. Um, so I, I'm not a fan of that. Um, it tends to be on some of the songs that are a little bit more up tempo too. There's like a snappy kind of like, I don't know. I, I almost compared it to when you were talking about funk, the only funk element I would hear is like how Anthony Kiedis sings in Right Out Chili Peppers like his interpretation of, of funk is like that with a gravelly voice. Um, so not, not a fan of that. The other thing is just, I don't love the riffs. I think the riffs are, they're just very, um, there's just one template. It's like, oh, this is the style of riff rewrite and we're going to write, you know, 13 riffs that 
basically follow this format. And really the whole record is like that. There's, I mean, to the point where like, I think one song you see house of house that Peter built, it starts off with some chords. I was like, Ooh, that's cool. Like a, like an ascending chord pattern. <laughs> and then they cut off the chords and they're like, hmm. You know, it just goes into like whatever the riff mm-hmm. is. You're like, oh, okay, we're back to where we were. So I just get like burned out on that. I mean, 13 tracks of that same kind of like pattern, right? Thing style of riffing, blues riffing. Um, I don't find incredibly creative, and it's like the guitar. Both guitars and the bass are doing that, you know. So, right. While they do that well, it's just not always enough for me like I, I i just need a little bit more and i think the idea is for the vocal to be and probably why this if this record works for people it's, it's probably working because then under that sort of repeating riff is you know the vocal that you're connecting with which if i'm not connecting with the vocal and then i just had this repeating guitar riff it's not super original um not terribly engaged with the, with the song. So there, there's a mix of those two things intertwining throughout the record um, that I find myself gravitating towards. I think you like the way you mentioned the songs that are slower where he can't do that kind of rhythm vocally. Like he can't, you know, it's just too slow. He's got to sing over. He's got to figure out something else to do. Or and then the riff is just brought to a tempo where it suddenly becomes more of like a hypnotic kind of vibe, mm-hmm. as a, as opposed to like a skipping kind of you know, bluesy thing. It's more of like, whoa, this is even getting heavier just because you brought the tempo down and like now I'm hearing all these other dynamics and like weird sounds and stuff. It just opens up, I think, a little bit more space um, on the slower stuff. And frankly, there's a couple songs on here um, that if you played them for me, like Space Crash is a good example. To me, that's 100% Fu Manchu. If you played that song for me before I'd heard this record and you asked me who that band, who the band was, I would be 100% say, oh, that's, that's an early Fu Manchu song. Yep. Um, he's vocally, when he's not doing the Yabba Dabba Do or sounding like Pantera, like he is copying their melodies 100%. Like, I'm like, that is, the only person I've heard sing those types of melodies is the guy in Fu Manchu. Like he does right. it in a cool, in a cooler, more like, California voice, <laughs> kind of a laid back, yes, um, spoken kind of thing. That, but other than that, like the melody that he's he's singing is identical to a couple of the songs in this record. Space Grass being one of them. Yep, I agree with you on the length. I mean, as a a band that's in the blues rock, boogie rock, whatever you want to say it, Stoner, this should be a forty minute record. This should be like eight or nine songs. Um that's it it goes on too long and they're not you know i haven't listened to any records so maybe they evolve to get a little bit more interesting musically but they're not interestingly interesting enough musically to carry 55 minutes of a record i am not as forgiving with the vocal as you are and it's probably i have this thing where I thought I was pretty harsh on it. <laughs> well, I, I think it kind of ruins the whole record, to be honest. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I can't, I don't know that I'd ever want to listen to this band again because of the fact that he, he bounces from, like you said, like Anthony Kiedis slash Mike Patton style, like funk rapping to like, there's, he literally says B I N G O bingo. in, in one of the choruses, there's some of it sounds like a sea shanty. Um, there's <laughs> stuff that is just so maniacally bad. Like, I feel like it's almost testing the audience in the way that like an art rock band would be like pushing, trying to push your buttons to see if you will react negatively to this, that I had to play. I actually had to play it for Kate. I go, I don't understand what this is. Like this doesn't this he has the perfect voice for this and he is doing these ridiculous uh, uh, things that I don't understand why you would choose these melodies, these phrasings, these lyrics. Yeah. When it slows down and it forces him not to be Anthony Kiedis, it it works much better. But I mean, Anthony Kiedis is just like part of it. There's 
like you said, there's like bad attempts at, at like rapping yeah. or something. And, um, there's a whole thing. I think it's in, is it in rock and roll outlaw where he's like talking about going aboard a ship and gambling and, and you're like, is this, is, are we doing Kenny Rogers lyrics? <laughs> like what is, what is going on? Yeah. Um, I just, it got really frustrating because I kept trying to unlock the, the secret and I just, I couldn't get there. I couldn't figure out what I was supposed to be enjoying because it basically made almost, you know, made there's 13 songs. The last one's an instrumental. Um, it, it made it those 12 other songs unlistenable to me essentially. Mm. Cause I just could not, he has the, the tone yeah. of the voice that I want, but it's all wrong. It's like, it's, it's just, uh, yeah, it's just totally wrong. And there are, there are vocalists who I don't love their voice. Like I don't yep. love Michael Stipe's voice, but he writes interesting lyrics and he comes up with interesting melodies. And so I listen to him. Yeah. You know, I'm not a huge REM fan. I'm not like a, a huge, you know, someone who owns every record, but I, I appreciate who they are and what they did and, and that kind of stuff. Um, so I can get past the fact that I don't really, you know, love his voice. I can't get past it with Neil Fallon. And what's funny is that this reminded me that I really like that company band EP that he yeah. was the singer on and he sings totally differently. Yeah. Like it's, it's a, it's a much more um, like action rock sound to that yeah. band. At least that first EP. I didn't, I don't think I ever went and got the record, but that first EP is really good. That came out in the two thousands. I think yeah. it was like 2008 or 10 or something like that. Um, and I actually had to go back and double check. I was like, is this the same? It is the same guy. I can't believe yeah. it. Um, so, and I don't know why he chose to sing more straightforward. I think it's because the tempo forced him. I think it's because it's so up tempo. You can't get away with doing that sort of stuff. And I don't know, yeah. maybe he evolved out of that. Maybe the later, I don't know what clutch sounds like now or what they sound like in the two thousands. Um, but this didn't, this didn't work for me at all. Yep. A lot of people are going to be angry. <laughs> I thought I was going to be the one that was uh, the harshest on this record. Interesting. I mean, and it was I, I feel like this so is very angering. well regarded. Yeah, I know. And I, I really like the music. That's the, that's the thing. I would totally listen to this if it, if it was an instrumental record. Um, Cause it gave me those Brant Bjork vibes that I really yep. liked from his early stuff. But man, did that, it just went downhill quickly and I couldn't, it never recovered for me. Um, yeah, I'm not going to push back at a whole note. Yeah. There were, there was many, many moments on here. I was like, what just happened? Did he just really, I, I guess the, again, the best way I would just describe it is and maybe you're onto something like he's, um, and purpose purposefully using these, like, um, callbacks to silly thing like silly songs and like nursery rhymes or something to like see how far you can push that before people get pissed off i don't know i could see a parody of this like pick any nursery nursery rhyme play a blues groove over it and sing in that voice and you can like, write one of these songs um so not not that the whole record's like this but it's like every other song is like that and yeah, I don't. And I mean, it seems this incredibly, is, I guess the way, the way it hits me and maybe why, maybe like from an anger standpoint, <laughs> uh, it either feels like uh, to me, if I'm not in on the joke, then it just sounds lazy. Yes. Yeah. <sighs> I, I, I actually do want to check out the singles, at least that were played on the radio, just to compare them and see yeah. what I'm missing with regards to this record. Um, so let's talk about our overall ratings. Were the album better EP or decent single? Where do you land? Uh, when I, when I reviewed this with a deep listen and uh, my notes, I was in a single space. Um, 
I was struggling to figure out, like when I did a deep listen, like had it blaring, had my, you know, my notes up, I'm, I'm deep into it, even had the lyrics up. I, I was, I was struggling to find a song because usually what I do is like, as the song's going, I'll be like, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm into this. Okay. I'm going to kind of note it and I'll bold it and I'll come back to it. I, I hadn't bolded anything. Um, I'm going to give it an EP because I did enjoy it noticeably more when I wasn't focused on it. So when I just had it on and I was working, like my impression of the record was very different. Like I was in a space of like, oh yeah, I'm kind of getting this band and like, yeah, that's a cool thing. And like, yeah, that part's kind of rememberable and I get this and that. And then it broke down when I actually analyzed it. It was like, okay, what's going on here? What, what, what did he say? Huh? What? Um, you know, or this riff is getting annoying. That's when it really fell apart for me. So I want to be fair and like, I don't know that, you know, this is the type of record that should be scrutinized. Um, so I'm just gonna, I'm going to, I'm going to go with an EP. I'm going to go with Space Grass. I have the body of John Wilkes Booth um seven jam and big news two and i think those were most of the ones that i hadn't also marked sounded like fu manchu <laughs> um and 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 give it an ep where are you at decent single i would be uh space grass and tim salt versus the grays i want as little singing as possible <laughs> That's, that's, I, I gotta be honest. Wow. That's where I'm yeah, at. And I'm really do, disappointed. Like the first time I listened to this, I was like, okay, I like the music. Yeah. What's going on with the lyrics? What's going <laughs> on with the music or with the singing? And then I listened to it again. I was like, oh no, no. <laughs> oh no. Oh. So, but I'm going to be the, I'm going to be the yeah. bigger man. Mr. Fallon, and I'm going to go check out your other songs and see if they are, if your, if your radio singles are, are worth checking out because I liked, like I said, I liked what he did with the company band. So I don't understand. Yeah, I did too. I thought that that was a great little EP. Yeah. And, and the little pieces and parts I've heard or other songs I've heard over the years, I don't remember being, um, that turned off to him vocally. Uh, I, I would have thought had we. Well, I think we had a couple comments that uh, mentioned this as being, you know, a favorite record of you know of somebody or somebody new or the best record of their catalog. Had I not seen those comments and just listened to this without any um, sort of commentary around it, based on their career and all of the other sort of buzz we've heard about the band over the years, I would assume that this is just a weak album in the catalog. Like, okay, maybe this is a rough spot or early record where they hadn't kind of figured out their thing yet. And, you know, by album four, they really nailed it. And then they went on to, <laughs> but it doesn't sound like that's the case. So He says fee-fi-fo-fum. I know. He does. I know. When I said that earlier, I wasn't... <laughs> I wasn't just saying it for a fact and joking. He may have said yabba dabba do. I don't know. But I was just like typing down. all. Once I heard all of that, I was like, okay, you could like do this for all day. Yep. I throw And throw yeah at the line, end of every one of those yeah. lines. Oh, <laughs> uh, and I like a good yeah, but not on not on this one. So that's a uh, a better EP for Jay and a decent single for me okay it was funny when i was listening to it too uh about halfway through the record i was like oh shit this is the some of the vocal stuff i didn't like i was like this is the rob zombie formula which i mentioned and sure enough apple music had uh more human than human as the next track after this album was done (laughs) like it had queued it up already it's like oh you like clutch you're gonna love white zombie well, Mr. Lehman, sorry that this did, did, did not turn out, but I'm sure you'll have another suggestion for us to uh, check out uh, this year when you make your pick. 
Uh, thanks to everyone who suggested records for this poll. And if you'd like to submit a record for a future poll, you can go to digmeoutpodcast.com, suggest an album, and that's where you drop them in. Leave us a comment about why you're suggesting it. And you get to vote on those polls at Patreon, where you can join for just two bucks a month to support the podcast. It's also where you can read the box newsletter that comes out, or you can have it delivered to your email inbox every weekend. Reviews of new releases, as well as our release calendar of books, movies, and albums relevant to the podcast, 80s and 90s stuff, new stuff that's coming out. And then, of course, if you like what you heard, please consider please consider leaving us some positive feedback over at Apple Podcasts. For Jay, if you listen I'm to t- us on Apple Podcasts, it's right there. Like, Yeah, just, well, I mean, I guess some people could be listening to us on Spotify, but... Well, they don't do reviews, so... Right, so I'm saying you got to go to Apple Podcasts. <laughs> but if you're already in there, I'm saying. Right. Most, most could of be our on Stitcher. Are on you could be on Overcast. You could be on Undercast. You could be on Mediumcast. I don't know where all the casts are. Deezer. Deezer. Cubas. Napster. LimeWire. People get to us. You E-music. Know, Friendster. There's all sorts of places. Ask Jeeves. He'll tell do you. Me- do you remember eMusic? Remember eMusic? Did you have an account? No, I never got an account with one of those. I just ripped everything from Torrance. I did a little, I think a year or two on eMusic. Thinking back, it was hilarious, the premise. I mean, at the time, it seemed like a good deal. But I think it was it was essentially like Audible is, where you get, you pay for a subscription, and you get so many downloads for the month. Mm-hmm. So I can't remember what it was. Maybe it was like five bucks a month, and you would get like 20 downloads. <laughs> Albums so, or songs? Songs. Oh, my God. Yeah. So you'd be like, oh, I want to get this album. Oh, that's okay. That's 12 downloads. I got eight left. <laughs> now what do I do? <laughs> it was something crazy. You buy like the that, longest you, songs possible. And I bought, I mean, uh, bought, I mean, I downloaded very little good music too. It just led to like this. It would get near the end of the month and you'd be like, oh God, I got to download something. What am I going to get? <laughs> you know? pressure downloads you get it you're like oh this kind of sucks well i guess it's mine now well i own it <laughs> Did, sort of i i was you know not that different than buying cds at the at the register based on the album art in the uh, 80s and 90s but kind of funny to yeah. think about now well the difference was when you bought that crappy dollar cd at the cutout bin uh you could just kind of slide it back and a, and a, sell it back in a couple of weeks for a quarter and then and flip it. Couldn't can't do that with your digital. Yeah, your digital you get something downloads. back. Yeah. yeah. All right. For Jay, I'm Tim. We're out. We'll be back next week with another episode of Dig Me Out.